Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. Delighted to have you with me on this sports podcast. We have quite a bit to talk about in the world of sports. We're going to start with Joe Crisali with a baseball preview, breaking down the 2022 season in detail, who he likes, who he doesn't. He had the Braves winning last year, so he hit that pick. Can he do it again? We break down all the divisions, Aaron Judge's contract, and then some hockey talk. With his Rangers looking good, the East wide open, and the Avalanche in control in the West. But we'll see what happens with McDavid and others lurking. Then we're going to talk a little basketball, the playoff edition of that sport with Tom Weisenbach. He's a diehard, tortured, if you will, Philly fan. His Sixers, what they look like, the play-in season, the play-in game starting. Who we like in those matchups. And also the Lakers missing, not being one of the 20 teams to make the playoffs. We break down a lot of postseason basketball with Tom Weisenbach. Joker Sally's up first on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the show, it's baseball season. Hockey's ramping up. We're in his wheelhouse. It's Joe Crisali. Joe, thank you for joining the show. And uh, answer one question for me. Is this really your favorite time of the year, start of baseball with hockey playoffs looming? I uh, I would say yes. Mm, I, I honestly figured. haven't been this excited for pretty much anything for a while. I haven't been this excited for baseball at least. Uh, the last couple of years, this year is just something else. It just feels, it feels good, you know? Wow. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I guess that's just your, your love for, you know, being immersed in the game. Like you're just, you just love everything about the game of baseball. And since we're going to start with that, your predictions on Facebook, for those that know, how long have you been <laughs> doing that? Like, and these aren't just amateur predictions. These are every detailed team's record and uh, awards and bold thoughts. How long have you been doing that? Um, I think the first year I put it, I actually put it up for other people to see it. it was like, I think 2017. And that, that year I had predicted the Astros to beat the Dodgers in the World Series in mm. six games, and that's what happened. You've been very bold. You've been right a lot. The misses have been big, but you swing big. So that's, that's part of you how it to, goes. That's the thing is you got to swing. You know? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. 2017 predictions. And you even say in this, here's my prediction so you can call me an idiot later. <laughs> and uh, you did. You had, uh, you had the World Series right that year. You had uh, the Astros in seven, which was good. Um, yeah. To, uh, you know, obviously we got to be fair. And, uh, you know, you've, you've had some Dodgers raise in there. I mean, you got that. World Series prediction right as well. Uh, but some haven't been. Winner. Yeah, exactly. In 2021, you had the Braves. So you've really been on a heater recently. I don't want to jinx it up. I mean, I don't want to make it seem if, like you're. If we really want to throw my victories in there, I also had the Rams. Wow. This year. You did. Uh, but I'm also looking at 2019, Joe, and you have Cardinals <laughs> Yankees. Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> can't get them all right, man. No, you can't. I had to, I had to mix that in. You know, I had to. We got to keep it honest, but no, you've been on a heater recently and looking at this year's predictions from you and then just talking some baseball here, uh, there are a lot of different ways to spin this, but you, like a lot of people just starting at the top, have the Blue Jays winning the AL East. I say this because you are a Yankee fan and uh, I know how much you love that team, but you're not alone in thinking that this is the Blue Jays as the odds on favor of this division. 
thoughts with them? I think a lot of us are expecting multiple teams from this division, but um, how much are you buying into what Toronto's got? I'm buying in pretty hard. The thing is, they're, they're just that popular pick. You know what I mean? They're just the team that everybody's looking at, that they're expecting to make that huge jump and win the World Series this year. Now, I love the young team they have. Obviously, Vlad Jr. is going to be an MVP candidate probably his entire career. Um, and they got Bo Bichette. They're just an extremely exciting team. And they really built that rotation back up. And they have a lot of moving parts where they can mix around players at certain spots. Not totally entirely because they have, um, obviously, preferences of where they play. But I like what they did with the rotation. They have good young players coming up. And they have, they just have that it factor, you know? Mm-hmm. I, they have that extra edge about them. I like their bullpen is, is really stout. Um, they have Jordan Romano back there at the back end. And from really top to bottom, there there isn't much to not like about this Toronto team. They have the young talent. They have some proven talent. They made some big moves to acquire players like Matt Chapman and last year with Barrios. And then they signed Gossman in the offseason after he had that great year for the Giants. I They just have that recipe. But what they don't have is they don't have the playoff experience and they don't have the experience of winning or losing play, like key yeah, games. They, they haven't the been playoffs. there before. And, and we've seen this happen before. Uh, Oakland comes to mind. Um, the White Sox teams that have just gotten in, feel good story, and then they get you know unceremoniously dumped in the playoffs and it being their first time. Uh, they are fun, though, and I think looking at the surroundings, this division is a little bit in flux. We all know the Orioles are bad. Props to Baltimore for uh, trying to make baseball less fun by pushing the uh, outfield wall back. That was a you know, great, great addition. <laughs> they, were there. Just sick of, they were just <laughs> sick of Glaber Torres taking them deep three times a game. Yeah, and Glaber Torres, he's a 700 hitter against the Orioles and 200 against everybody else. But, <laughs> but, if 200. <laughs> no, it's being nice there. But the rest of the division is, is uh, you know, in flux a little bit. The Yankees are expected to be good, um, although it's not going to be Rose, as we've seen. You know, the Red Sox, they, they get the story edition, but they're not a team without flaws. And the Rays, we, we love what they're doing, but can they keep it going? Can they really keep it going without really paying anybody? So I, I understand the Blue Jays' hype from that, from that perspective. You can argue that the depth in this division and the unpredictability might be one to watch going all the way down, it, it might be the most fascinating one. It's going to be a bloodbath towards the end because I feel like all these teams are going to be really, really close, and the difference is going to be such a small margin where they're all kind of fl- fighting and fluctuating down to the last game where we'll have the Blue Jays are – maybe they're not necessarily pulling away, but like they could be fluctuating with the Yankees and the Rays as they go along. I like – I like. I always like what what Tampa Bay is doing. It's just I don't know how you can get rid of players like Austin Meadows, trading him to the Tigers the day before opening day, and still coming in and being a huge favorite. But they, they like <laughs> no other team, grow players on the farm and they bring them up and they let them play, and they let them get their struggles out, and then they produce. And that's what you're going to see with Josh Lowe. That's what they did with Brandon Lau. 
and Wander Franco, he came up. They have a guy backing him up, Taylor Walls, and um, they have a good catcher duo with Zunino and Mejia, who was a top prospect for, I believe, you got for your Guardians when they were, weren't the Guardians for a period of time before he went to San Diego and then traded back to Tampa Bay. And then, obviously, a Rosarena, big name there. And they're only going to get better, the Rays. So whatever you see from them now, like their top pitching prospect, Shane Baz, yeah. is on the injury list right now. Glass now is not in right now. They don't have Patino. Yarbrough's hurt. They're kind of um, just getting their uh, bearings under them as they go into the season. But they're definitely going to win some games, and then they're going to be even better. But as far as the Red Sox go, you know, it's hard to not look at that lineup and be like, wow, this team is going to put up some freaking runs. Um, but I, ne- I never really understood. They, they kind of took the same approach that the Phillies took, where they were like, we're just going to get all these bats and we're just going to put up more runs than you. But the issue, I think, with them, obviously, is that pitching staff. Um, they have good young pitchers coming up in the system, but their bullpen is, is pretty suspect. They have nice young players back there like Garrett Whitlock who sadly they took him in the rule five draft from the Yankees but Tanner Houck watched him pitch against the Yankees his stuff is absolutely disgusting so they have a chance to make some noise but I don't necessarily think that they're going to because they didn't address everything that they necessarily needed to go into the season like signing Trevor Story didn't really make a ton of sense to me other than them saying, that's kind of them saying, we're not sure if we can re-sign Xander Bogarts at the end of this year, so let's kind of hedge that, and then we can toss Story at short. Um, so that kind of made me think of, okay, if Boston is making a move like that and they're not adding pieces to spots that they need it, maybe as we get closer, they're going to be a team that is trading away pieces, which is a possibility. When I look at making these predictions, there's so many different scenarios that go on through my head where I'm thinking like, okay, this guy tore his triceps last year and he's coming back. Is he going to produce as good as he did? Here's the statistics of people after they had an injury like this. And then you go through it and you kind of look at the guy's splits and everything and see how he's going to play out. And that's just kind of one player you're looking at to be a producer for them. But like you said, that AL East, outside of the Orioles, is going to be an absolute bloodbath. But for Orioles fans, like it's, <laughs> it feels like they've just been in this rebuild mode for forever, and it's almost like it's never going to end. Yes. And the sad thing is that this dude, Cedric Mullins, who is an amazing player, but I feel like he's going to be out of age before they get anything going for this team. And as far as the Yankees go, I was pretty skeptical at first with the moves that they made when they – traded with the twins when they gave Sanchez up and they got Donaldson and they took all his money on, which allowed Minnesota to sign Carlos Correa. And they gave up Urshela, who was their best defensive infielder, which was kind of perplexing, but I get it. It's kind of an interesting play. We'll open up your salary so you can sign this player, Carlos Correa, that we don't really want. And maybe he doesn't uh, provide for you what he's, what his salary is um, would commend. But then you look at the Yankees, they got Donaldson. Somehow Aaron judge thinks he should be paid as much as Mike Trout. This is definitely something I wanted to touch on. Like, well, yeah. The, and, and I knew, oh, I'm glad we got there. Cause this is how I was going to wrap it up too. 
Come on. Like, like I, <laughs> are you I'll, kidding me? I, that, that's my reaction to this just, whole thing. Let and, me just finish this. <laughs> let me just finish this Yankees bl- blamoring here. I like the addition of Connor Falefa, getting him over there in that deal. Good defender. Uh, even though I feel like he's got a lot of jitters because every time I watch him field the ground ball, I think he feel like he's going to boot it or something. But maybe that's just at the beginning. I like the re-signing of Rizzo, popping him at three in the order. Really, really solid. I like the balance they have in the lineup. A lot of big strikeout dudes. Joey Gallo, man, that's really hard to watch that guy hit. Uh, Aaron Hicks, please, can we replace him in center field? Anybody, please. The pitching staff is, outside of Garrett Cole, it's pretty suspect. Severino looks pretty good in his first start. Tyone is okay. I feel like they're going to have to make some moves there. Bullpen is pretty stout, honestly. And I really love that Ron Marinaccio kid that they got up in there. Uh, young kid, went to University of Delaware, uh, made the team out of spring training. But I mean, the team is just kind of like whatever, you know. I'm not really necessarily yeah. expecting them to win a World Series with what they have here. And listening to Cashman say how this is the most money that they've had on the books for a team since 2008 is just like, then you're doing something wrong because you're missing a lot. And then for Aaron Judge to come in and say that he's not discussing a contract during the season, he's only going to do something before opening day, like, what that does for me as a fan is it just makes me think, okay, why am I going to cheer for this guy when he's just said he's going to talk to 30 teams and the Yankees will be one of those 30 teams at the end of the season. And then he got all pissed off because Cashman came out and said how much money he was offered when he was told that they weren't going to do that. But I mean, normally I'm not on the side of the ownership or the GM or any of that for as far as like, contract disputes or any of that stuff like pay players deserve to be played with their worth the yankees came in with the approach these are your statistics these are your projected statistics this is what players of your caliber are being paid right now and it's a pretty hefty amount they offered him 30 million a year or 32 million a year or whatever but he wanted to be paid more than mike trout he wanted to be paid 36 million dollars a year Aaron judge you have one good season in your entire career 52 homer season, 114 RBIs or whatever it is. And outside of last year, he has not done a single thing. And for him to come in and say he wants this long-term contract where he's making more money than Mike Trout is just absurd to me. If I'm the Yankees, I'm taking that money and I'm spending it somewhere else. If this guy doesn't want to be here, he doesn't I get it. I get it, If he doesn't want to be here and he doesn't want to take that money, which is still more than what he has can I, can I just point. say, yeah, can I just say too, like, I mean, we, I lived it with the, with the Francisco Lindor stuff and the difference being, we didn't even come close to market value and, and the stuff that's leaked out, I, I would agree that Cashman probably, you know, was fed up and probably shouldn't have done it the way he did, but that's a fair offer to a guy of his caliber. And I'm sorry, if you want to negotiate it down less years and say, look, I'll take this on a shorter term deal. You know, that's what I'm saying is like, if it, if it was about the number of years I get where Judge is coming from, but come on. Like, he is not Mark. There's nobody really worth Mike Trout money. Definitely not Judge, who has had one great year, as you said, and really just hasn't backed it up yet. But um, I know it's, he, it's unfortunate that it's that it's going to be a cloud hanging over this season. And that, that was the other thing was, now it's just this cloud where, okay, every time Judge comes up to bat, why do I care? He comes up to bat, obviously I want him to hit a homer, 
or drive a guy in or whatever, but I'm not necessarily rooting for this guy because he clearly has made a stance that they, he doesn't think that he's going to get paid enough money. So he's not going to go out there and produce, which from a working standpoint, I totally get it. But from a fan standpoint, it's like, dude, you're just putting this dark cloud over the season for your own, for yourself. When there's other dudes on the team, like Giancarlo Stanton makes what? 23 million a year. Like you're already being offered 10 million more a year than Giancarlo Stanton. And he's better than you. (laughs) Uh, Well, Hey, chin up, Joe. We'll see what happens. Uh, Yankee season already underway. Some fireworks taking off. It's uh, it's been a dandy so far. Uh, let's look at some of these other divisions, though. Uh, in the AL, first of all, uh, you know the AL Central where I uh, live and breathe uh, should be interesting. Everyone's on the White Sox. Um, twins with the big uh, with some big additions as well. The uh, newly branded Guardians are in the mix. You love the Tigers in this division to make a run. I'm not so sure I see that with the Royals bringing up the rear that I do see, but White Sox, huh? That's that's the team. That's the the team that's going to be making their move going all the way in in your mind. It it seems to be, it seems to be. Except the only issue with them is they're already going through the ringer with injuries. Right off the bat, before opening day, they lose Garrett Crochet, one of their top young arms in the bullpen, who was probably going to push to start this year. They still have a great bullpen. And then they trade away Craig Kimbrell right after that happens with Crochet to the Dodgers, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you trade a premier player to the Dodgers for a 32-year-old outfielder who's already on the injured list? But it just feels like that time. Everybody was picking them the last couple years, especially last year. I feel like they were the heavy favorite just to win the World Series in general. But they have that mix. I mean, I really, really like Tim Anderson. He's honestly probably my favorite dude in the league right now. Eloy, he's back healthy. Robert, great player. Vaughn, nice young, uh, young talent for them there. Obreu, obviously, year in and year out, MVP-type player. Uh, that pitching staff with Giolito, Lynn, Cease, Heichel, Kopech, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really solid. Bullpen solid, team is solid. The only thing that they're going to have to fight through is this injury bug, which I always look at that and you just got to believe <laughs> really. Yeah, like, you, You're going to deal with that. Like you just have to get lucky and not, you know, be derailed by injuries. Um, no, I, I see it. I mean, I, I do see it with the white Sox. Um, I think, I think this division will be competitive to a point. It's their division in the regular season, unless they get derailed, but the depth here. I mean, the Guardians thing, hey, shout out to Jose Ramirez hitting the Grand Slam today about, uh, about 30, 40 minutes ago as we record this. And, uh, and Quan, Quan's still no strikeouts, so he's still, he, he's, still he's next up. still doesn't have a swing and a miss. Yeah. Not a single swing and a miss on the whole season. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I watched, I just traded for Quan. I, I made a huge trade in, in one of my uh, keeper leagues for Quan. I got mm. Quan, Adalberto Mondesi, Rogers, the closer for the Padres. Now I did give up Tim Anderson, mm, but mm. that's a big trade, though. All of, it's hey, a big trade, and I believe in Quan. I so. think I think we're we're kind of looking at this too. I mean, I'm I'm looking at your division predictions, and you have uh, in the AL you have Blue Jays, White Sox, Mariners. Now that's you know drifting away from the norm, but we could be at that period where it's like transitioning away, like we're 
we're at a different point where the game's going. And, you know, I, I segue that into the Mariners. I understand it. You're in Seattle. You're catching the buzz. Last year, they were so close to the playoff. They just missed. They had a great end of the season. The Astros can't hold on to that reign forever. I also think the Angels probably feel the same way. Like, this is our time. It doesn't have to be the Mariners' time. So this could be a, a good competitive race between those three with the Rangers and the A's lacking. The A's just don't pay anybody. They trade away everything. But the Mariners versus the Angels. Tell me why you think Seattle's more more primed this year to do it than the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Oh, big question. Uh, well, the thing is, the Angels, they didn't make – at least in my opinion, they didn't grab everybody that is really going to help mesh and blend their team together. What they did was it's what they always do. They go out and they sign a cheap, kind of cheap older arm coming off of sometimes coming off an injury. I mean, obviously Syndergaard came up, came off an injury. He looked good in his first start, but they go and they get Michael Lorenzen, a uh, 31 year old pitcher from the Reds, who was a relief pitcher for most of the time he was over there. There's just a lot of, a lot of there's too many question marks for me where they had a great year from Jared Walsh last year. Um, Rendon was out all year. He's back. Who knows what he's going to do this year, but, and they signed Tyler Wade away from the Yankees. He's a good utility player, but I just feel like they're asking way too much out of their young talented players and they don't have the pitching staff and they don't have the bullpen to really push and make a move. And also their prospect pool, as far as like MLB ready talent, isn't necessarily there. So if something else were to happen to mm. any big name player, like Mike Trout goes down again, or um, say even like David Fletcher's already on the IL, like they're already kind of mixing in, trying to find players to fill those positions. Whereas if you look at the Mariners, the way that they've built their entire roster is they have so much so many things that are interchangeable and their MLB ready talent in their prospect pool is all there ready to come up and perform. And if not come up and perform, come up and get traded somewhere else for somebody that will perform. So the team is just so well balanced as far as like you got Ty France at first base, Frazier at second, Toro can also play third and second. And there's just so many different ways that they can maneuver this lineup. And when Kyle Lewis comes back, he also goes into that outfield with Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, who I picked for Rookie of the Year. That's definitely biased. Uh, and Mitch Hanniger, who was looking really good this year. Jesse Winker, who is, uh, was one of the funniest guys that came into our tent this year. He came in the tent, and he was like, I was like, hey, how you doing? I'm Joe. He was like, you know, you know who you look like? He was like, you ever, see, you ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. He's like, you look like that guy from Dazed and Confused. I was like, thanks for telling me I look like a total stoner in front of everybody <laughs> in this tent. Uh, but he was, he was, he was a fun dude, and he also is, I believe, top ten in like OBP in the entire league. So you add a guy like that in, they go out and they get Robbie Ray. That rookie pitcher Matt Brash was dealing today. His fighter is disgusting. Good young pitching staff. They have an amazing back end of the bullpen with Castillo, Seawald, Steckenrider, and they got Ken Giles coming off the injured list. And they and they add a veteran Sergio Romo who's got the experience. So you take this team. I'm not saying it's better than Blue Jays, but in it, as an example, this team has players in certain positions that have the playoff experience, and they have 
um, more experience in those scenarios. Whereas you compare this team again to the Astros, for example, and they are just unbelievably thin. And I don't know why this wasn't talked about enough. Everybody immediately threw the Astros up there as they're the team that's going to win the division. They're the team that's going to go do this, go do that. But outside of, obviously they have the Guriel, Altuve, Bregman, Jeremy Pena looked real. He looks real good first week of the season. There's probably going to be some growing pains with him there at short, but outfield, you got a 36, whatever year old Michael Brantley, who is not going to make it through the whole season. Their starting center fielder, Jake Myers is already on the injured list. He only played for a month last year. So who knows exactly how he's going to be Yeah. So now they have Chaz McCormick starting in center. Jose Siri is now also a starter and Jose Siri two years ago, didn't even make the Mariners roster. Wow. So Two years ago no, when the I, team wasn't even So you convinced me. I, I just I wouldn't count I know the Angels have for lack of a better word have choked at times, but there's a lot of talent there. They got the MVP, they got the best player of his era and maybe of all time. Yeah, the pitching's gonna be the issue. But I understand it. You know, the the Mariners, it's been a while. It's been a while and uh you you and all the, Seattle is waiting for it. The changing, the changing of the. That's the thing is when when you look at a lot of predictions and a lot of things that people think are going to happen, it's a lot of things that we already saw. Like they're but, picking teams that right. won last year. The like, NL. Like, oh, man, the, I, missed, I think the difference is the yeah. difference is the AL looks primed for it. The NL doesn't. And your predictions even like obviously Braves defending champs. Are they going to get threatened in that division? You're not bullish no, at all. I think that. Maybe you can talk me into the Phillies or even Mets having a nice year, but yes, it's the Braves division. Uh, regular season, Dodgers are built for it. We'll get to that in a second. NL Central is going to be a dog fight, but it doesn't seem like one of those bottom three teams is going to surprise. So, uh, yeah, I think the I think the AL might be a little more fun in the regular season. Um, I think the Braves and Dodgers, Joe, if we look at those two teams, are they just, should we just pencil them in for right through to the playoffs and that's when their season starts? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Those, I don't know how the Braves can get away with getting rid of their franchise player and letting him go to probably the team that they have to compete with the most. Mm. But they did. They got better. Their lineup is, with Olsen in there, is just insane. The way that they were able to build around that. Austin Riley, I picked him for NL MVP this year. That dude's going to be batting three or four in that lineup with Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies. Uh, Swanson's had a rough go of it so far this year, uh, but he's in there. Ozuna, that whole lineup, Rosario, like that whole lineup is just stacked to the gills. And their pitching staff is also great. Um, Dodgers, I mean, you can say the same thing for them. They have a freaking all-star team. So those are that's definitely the class of the NL. Those two teams, that's why I had them in there. Over 100 wins for both of them. Yeah, I mean, as far as AL playoffs go, like you said, I have Blue Jays, White Sox, Mariners, Yankees, Rays, Astros. Um, that last Astros pick in there, I was a little torn because I feel like you had touched on the Tigers earlier. They could be a uh, an exciting team to push. They also could not perform. Um, but I, that was a gamble I was willing to take there. Guardians, Ooh. I have them at three in the central there for you. Two games above 500. I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for, especially after seeming like they're going to shed their whole roster. 
but still paying J Ram. And now they got this Quan kid who is just an on-base machine yeah. with straw off the top. Wow. I wonder how good the Astros would be if they still had Miles Straw. Well, um, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, no, I, I think that they'll be better. They're not quite playoff ready. I agree with you there. I just think Angels, Astros will be in the mix for sure. And uh, I'm not yeah. counting out the Twins either. So. I the twins, the twins are just – I'm very skeptical on them because – a lot of the moves that they've been making, they go in both directions. They signing Correa to that one-year deal. Last year, trading away Barrios. This year, trading away Donaldson and, and getting other dudes to open up space to sign Correa. Uh, trading away their closer on opening day. They trade their closer to the Padres. So I feel like they're just you, – you can't do it both ways if you want to win. So – they did it both ways, and I have them coming in fourth in the central. Okay. So I mean, I could be wrong, but so what's, that's just how I see. Let's it. let the cat out of the bag here. Finally, as we wrap up the baseball part of this show, you picked the Padres to win the World Series. I did. Now, bold for sure. Uh, a lot of talent. Why should we not care then about you know what had happened with the motorcycle incident? You don't think the injuries are going to make any? impact on their success long-term like you think they'll be fine and healthy i did watch the opening day too and the bullpen didn't look so good for san diego it did not so that's why they went out and they got uh trevor rogers or taylor, taylor rogers okay one of the one of the twins but i picked the padres and worrying about that injury to tatis obviously initially i was kind of like all right that's automatically got to rule them out right yeah um that's that's your first thought but last year i picked the braves to win the world series and in the first week of the season acuna goes down and the team looks like garbage for a while and then they come back and they're great and what happened was they had other players step up so i looked at this padres team and I was like, man, they've been making all these moves. They're bringing up these young players. They got C.J. Abrams, who top prospect. I picked him as NL Rookie of the Year. He comes up, and he hasn't been playing much the first week, but I feel like he'll get in there and get his due. But that lineup is so good. The pitching staff, they added Manaea. They're one through five in that pitching staff is what the Mets think they have. And I just think that that team, regardless of the injury to Tatis, they will be good enough while he's gone. And then he'll come back and everyone will remember that this was the Padres team that everybody has been picking the last couple of years to win the World Series, and they're actually going to do it. And I couldn't pick the Dodgers to do it because, one, the reason that they won, there's a reason that they, the World Series they won was the 62-game season, and it's because it was only 60 games. Oh, oof, ouch. Ouch. Two, the Dodgers are choke artists. So <laughs> sorry watch. to all the Dodgers fans out there, but it just doesn't feel right to pick them. And also, I was between the Braves repeating, but it just didn't feel right to pick the Braves after they did their franchise player so dirty. No it just almost didn't feel like it was something that was going to come to fruition just because the baseball gods wouldn't yeah. allow it to. No love for the Giants? The Giants, I feel like, they lost pieces that made them 
good last year. Division champs. Austin yeah. was their eighth last year. Obviously, Webb is an awesome pitcher uh, coming up there. Um, and they have a good bullpen. Duvall at the back end of that. Uh, Rod, the other Rogers brother in there. A good, decent lineup. Not a lot of lot, not a lot of names in there. Um, they did it last year, but it's just like I'm not I'm not necessarily buying into that for a repeat of the okay. same thing. Um, but the Padres, I have White Sox Padres in the World Series. Uh, I got the Padres beating the Braves in the NLCS. And I got the White Sox beating the Blue Jays in the ALCS. Mm. White Sox Padres would be a hell of a series. For a second, I thought maybe that's too much pinstripes going on. And then I realized they're not both going to be wearing pinstripes at the same time. So it would be okay. <laughs> um, but like the Padres pitching staff, I do like their bullpen coming around. And I think that they're going to be afloat the whole season and they get Tatis back. I, I tend to find the last few years, the team that has won the world series is the team that people used to talk about, but don't talk about anymore. Okay. Well, Hey, if you're uh, if you're like, you have an issue with primary colors, you know, the colorblind people, this is the series for you. A lot of black, <laughs> a lot of Brown. We got, uh, no, but I think it's possible. It's good to mix it up. We, uh, we always value your baseball predictions. So we'll just see if that plus 1600 on the Padres is a good, better, bad bet. So time will tell. Uh, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. Well, we got you know only a couple weeks left to hockey season. Are you just full on driving the Ranger bandwagon, rejoicing already? Oh, baby, you know I am. I mean, they've looked good. good right they've now, owned the Penguins. I'm not. See, the thing is, I'm looking at the Rangers. It's they got a hundred points. The last time they had a hundred points, man. How do you not buy in on this team? Mm-hmm. I love. Love the additions that they made. I love Vetrano. I love all the lineup moves that are happening. And I've been reading all these articles and all these uh, tweets from Ranger fans complaining about all of, like, why is Vetrano on the top line? Why is Panarin on the second line? Blah, 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 blah. It's not baseball. It's not who's starting and doing whatever. It's who meshes the best on their lines. And the way that it's working right now is – just perfection and hey like if if they man they got the best goalie in the league too Shesterkin he had a rough little patch there for a minute but he's awesome I was really hoping they would get another back a backup for him but Georgiev has been okay yeah uh, yeah. lately lately yeah but I think I think that what the Rangers are doing is they built up a roster that's Looks like they're built for a nice playoff run. Kreider's obviously, you know, I know you gush around him. Career, like if you ever saw, I know like if you saw Chris Kreider in person, you just get weak in the knees because of what he means to you, which is okay. <laughs> but Absolutely. They mean pretty, they, they've, they've done well. They've, they've set themselves up to make a run at the division with Carolina. Big game tonight coming up as we, I think it's tonight as we record this. That's one happening one. right now. So one, one after two while we do this. Yeah. So when they win that, they're tied for first place in the division. And I just say that because the series, I mean, we've pretty much known who the eight teams are for the last you know month or so. There's still so much up in the East. The, the East is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be wide open. And you, we won't know the series until the last couple of days of the year. So it's very fun to see that. Florida's pacing the conference. Toronto's got Austin Matthews just lighting the league on fire with 56 goals. Um, yeah. You know, he could get 60 this year. Ovechkin's never had 60 in a single season. 
So, but that's it, that's the thing though. Like Toronto's got a hundred points right now. Rangers got a hundred points. Yeah, and the Capitals have played better. I mean, it's just and even Tampa. Like we're not even talking about Tampa Bay and Boston. They're just a couple points back. You know, Tampa's yeah. going for a three-peat. I think it's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be so much fun to watch playoff hockey. I'm not writing off the Penguins just yet either. Uh, I think it's just going to be fun. Totally agree. I also agree that um, Evgeny Malkin should be banned from the league. <laughs> Ban him. Kick him out. What a cross Kick check. him out. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, man, I it, it just gears up towards – this, these playoff matchups where the Rangers are going to have to play the Penguins or going to have to play the Bruins or they're going to have to play the Capitals. And they're just so – there's so much energy and they're just so at each other's throats every single game. It's just yeah. so fun to watch. Um, and I love what Gallant's done with his team. I love how stern he is. I love how he really has that New York persona in him, you know, where he just tells – Tells it how it is. This is what we're doing. They ask him in a press conference at the end of the game. He's like, "Yep, play like shit today." So, yep, that's that's uh, that's that's how we did. Um, and well, I mean, we didn't even touch on Florida. This was your this was your pick, was uh, it not? Uh, I think I think I had them in the final. We'd have to go back and look. I keep forgetting now. I, I need to do a better job. But I was big on Florida. Or did you? Or did you have the Islanders? I think I did have the Islanders. I'll, I'll be might honest have had there. the Islanders. I didn't want to throw it in there, but no, we'll, I had we'll Florida in the conference. I had Florida in the conference final. That is for sure. Uh, but then the Islanders just the COVID start and then the uh, new building. But hey, look, we got to give them some credit though. They came. They they're Panthers. They're, there's no way I they're think, getting in. But I think yeah. I, I think I think I might have gone. Oof. I don't. I don't know that I picked Columbus. I think, I, think Oilers, I went seven Islanders. of eight in the playoffs, though. I don't think. I think Islanders was the only team I missed in the East, and it was probably Penguins or Caps that I missed out on having. I want to say, but regardless, uh, you know, the the East is going to be fun. The West is going to be interesting too. Uh, yeah, we we almost buried the Oilers recently, and they're seven two and one. Uh, not going to track down Calgary. Uh, but the big question is, does Vegas catch the Kings? Dowdy out for the year. The Kings have been a feel-good story, but Vegas is lurking. They're recovered from injuries. Calgary has that division on lock. That Pacific is going to be a bloodbath. And we haven't even talked about how the Colorado Avalanche, a team you were doubting midway through the year, just continues to shred the league. That was my, that's my pick. That was my uh, cup pick, the Avs. Yeah, but you got to respect the Wild for for being up there in the mix, the Wild and the Blues. Hey, you always got to respect the Wild. That's what I've been telling you. Wild for years. Blues fun series. <laughs> so the way it's shaping now, Wild Blues, uh, we would have Colorado taking on maybe Vegas first round, maybe Nashville or Dallas, uh, depending on how that shakes out. Roman Yossi, unreal season, leads the set the Predators franchise record in points. Joe, he snatched away the Norris Trophy from Kale McCarr. He did. 87 points, dude. And he does it all. Unreal. I mean, he's he's got like I don't he's got I think a bunch of games with three points on the gear. Uh, and I like Kale. I think he's the best skating defenseman I've ever seen. He's gonna win a Norris or two or three. But what Yossi's doing to get what would be his second is just remarkable. It's not, it's not just him for the Preds. Like, no. Who saw this year from Duchesne? Best year of his I know, career. God, career. Most points they ever had. And they're kind of a gong show. Like, they, they've taken more penalties than mo than every team in the league by a large margin. So, it's uh, they are a physical old-time hockey team. 
which you love to see. How, it's a good feeling, though, got to be for you to see Edmonton finally get in in the fashion that they're in. McDavid has been a beast. Because of the addition of Evander Kane, it could have been. Could have been. McDavid's been a beast, obviously. No surprise there. Best athlete in the world, I think. Uh, Mike Smith made one of the best passes I've ever seen a goalie make in that three-on-three overtime. Oh, my God. What a dime. That was so... He's always been the best. I mean, he's like 40 years old, but he's always been the best at playing the puck. That was incredible. Uh, No, it's good. And they're they're a team that matchups are going to dictate this. They have a problem with Calgary. They definitely have a Calgary problem. But I think they can beat anybody else in, in a series. Even maybe Colorado is going to be obviously be favored, but we got to see how Colorado address uh, adjust to the pressure because it has to happen this year for the Avs. Like it has to be their year. It's all set up perfectly I, for them. It, it is, and I, I think it will be. Mm. Well, last thing before we go, because uh, I, I do think Shesterkin, Vesna, Yossi. How did that guy not make the All Star? game can you uh, tell it me was that ridiculous. Can, you, can you explain this to me he's gonna it's, it made no sense but yossi uh norris who's the mvp now because now you have a now you legit have for me you have three three solid candidates two forwards and a defenseman but who's your mvp my mvp who's your defenseman is yossi you're saying yeah he's third place for me and uh one and two are two familiar names, uh, the best player in the world and the best goal scorer in the world are my other two finalists right now. You're, so you're talking McDavid and Matthews. Yeah, sorry to uh, Huberdeau, 104 points. I hated leaving him off. I did, but uh, the lion's share of what the teams, you know, they, they've got the best offense in the league uh, from a goal scored, you know, production. production. I, think, I think if we're being honest, it's, it's between McDavid and Matthews. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to go to Matthews because mm-hmm. of his goal scoring prowess this year. And he's going to be over a hundred total points and he's carried that team. Maybe yeah. not necessarily with Marner having also a great year, but man, there's some big numbers on uh, mm-hmm. NHL this year. Johnny I... Gaudreau, he'll be over a hundred points. You know, I feel like it's been a few years since we've had some, some scoring like this. I reserve the right to uh, wait till the last game of the season's been played. Right now, I would go Matthews. Uh, they have had a better year. They've got 100 points on the year. Edmonton's got 90, if that's a little closer. And if McDavid keeps it going, he's going to win another scoring title. He's going to do so much. But, yeah, what Austin Matthews has done and how he's done it. Th- those goals against the Stars were just nasty, especially the three-on-three OT winner. I know you saw that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. The dude is – he just put the game in – on his stick like he just makes it happen he's incredible man i can't wait for playoff hockey that's my favorite time of the year without uh question uh joe Crisali, thanks for joining the show always appreciate you coming on we'll do a baseball check-in and some playoff hockey talk uh sometime in may but uh thanks again for coming on the show yeah sounds good man always good to talk baseball hockey anything Anything that's going on. I know I can ramble a bit for baseball. Oh, you're good. But you're good. You, you got can... us all You got us all uh, up to speed. We'll check you out on Root Sports. And I just know if the Rangers make another cup run, you're going to be unbearable. So that's why we had to talk now. <laughs> I won't be unbearable. I'll just be, you know, yeah, probably. By the final. If they make the, if they make the cup final. By conference semi, it'll be like, uh, I don't know. Conference final will be like, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of getting annoying. Final, it's like, here we go, Rangers, every three seconds. Yeah, well, how am I not going to be? 
No, I it's understand. Been, it. It's been since I was a wee lad, a one-year-old baby. Actually, I wasn't even born yet. Wow! Wow! Or was I? What oh, year was, was it? Ninety-four. Ninety. July, Ninety-four. June, yeah, 94. I was two. Two years old. How time flies. Uh, Joe, man, yeah. thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. All right, huge thanks to Joe Crisali. Hockey is uh, ramping up. Can't wait for that. We got a lot of baseball to get us through the summer, and the storylines are aplenty. So thanks to Joe, as always, for coming on the podcast. Now we're going to talk playoff hoops with Tom Weisenbach, the Philadelphia 76ers, who he supports. Do we think that there's some issues with that first series with Toronto? We break that down. Milwaukee's chances to defend their title. The Phoenix Suns are the best team in the regular season. Can they finally get that championship? Can Chris Paul get a ring? We break down every angle of the NBA playoffs, talk a little football at the end. It's Tom Weisenbach now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, it's been uh, since last October since we talked. It's Tom Weisenbach coming back to the show. NBA playoffs are coming up. Not as excited as I'd like him to be, but we're going to try to change that here. Tom, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Mitch. I was wondering when this call was going to come. It's been a, a minute, but, uh, you know, a lot going on and uh, happy to be here. And uh, you were right on time. Yeah, tonight as we record this, there's the uh, first batch of uh, NBA play-in uh, tournament action, which we can actually just kind of start there. I, I just, I guess I'm not really seeing the need for it anymore. Like during the bubble, it was cool when you weren't playing full games, full seasons. And, you know, there were teams that had some stuff left to chance. I'm just, I don't really, I mean, now we, now we have 20 teams out of 30 that get playoff postseason, you know, results. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not into it. That's my take anyway. Yeah. You kind of think of it as the first four. Like, are you really in the tournament if you're playing in the first four and lose? Um, so I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. There was that interesting talk about you know brooklyn's the main kind of team bear looming in that group of four in the eastern conference and and uh you know the other three being you know cleveland charlotte atlanta are some would say true you know fringe playoff teams uh aside from kind of brooklyn had that strange year uh i'm not too really haven't followed the west too too much but you know those those, uh, you know, seem to be the same teams, uh, this, all the same, you know, the Clippers, Spurs, Pelicans, and, and Timberwolves. You're right. It's like, you know, what's the point of, you know, the extra wild card in the NFL for that, for all the, those teams just to get destroyed in the, in the NFL playoffs. But it gives them a little bit more TV revenue, and I understand the excitement and keeping everybody in the race. Playoffs are expanding in all the leagues, and we just kind of have to get used to it. I mean, I understand, and, and believe me, with the NFL and with, with uh, you know, baseball, it makes more sense because there were just so many teams that didn't make it every year. It's so many that do in the NBA, but I get it. It's revenue, it's television, and there's opportunities there. And it also gives us a chance to laugh at the Lakers a little harder because 20 out of 30 teams make it, and they weren't one of them. Yeah, it's almost like they were trying not to make the playoffs at a certain extent to a certain extent because they were trying to hold on for the play-in tournament but they didn't want anybody to make fun of them for having to play in the play-in tournament so they figured let's just miss the dance and uh, play some golf instead 
Yeah, just a, a, a comedy of errors. Uh, I, I do feel for Frank Vogel. I think he was in a pretty tough spot because he didn't construct the roster, and they didn't even wait. I mean, the, the body was still cold. They just got rid of him. While, while he was pretty much still in the locker room after the last regular season game, reports came that he was out. He hadn't heard anything officially, but that was made official the next day. Not his best coaching effort, I think we can all say, but Tom, he didn't build this roster, and he was in a tough spot with having to play certain players, a la Russell Westbrook, when it didn't seem like he was enamored with uh, what he could do for the team. Yeah, he was so embarrassed, Frank Vogel, that he actually had to leave the cast of Impractical Jokers as well. <laughs> uh, he yeah, looks just like good. that Joe Gatto. That's good. That's a good one. Uh, no, but do you think, like, obviously there's the health side of it, right? Like LeBron and AD weren't healthy all all. Pretty much all season, there was a lot of injuries going on with this team, and I get that they would have been better at least playing level good or a lower-level playoff seed, but the story of the year was about the moves they made or that they didn't make, bringing Russell Russell Westbrook in with that trade, uh, the, the assets they sacrificed, the not bringing back Caruso, not trading for Buddy Heald, DeRozan was another piece, and just everything that could go wrong did. I actually don't think that Polenka is going to survive this offseason. That would be my prediction. I think they're going to go total clean house and try to salvage whatever they can, although good luck getting Russell Westbrook off the books with his salary because buying him would be be a very risky gamble for any team, even one rebuilding. Yeah, and I think when we spoke in October, I was uh, kind of hinting at maybe, you know, the Sixers trading for Russell Westbrook or, you know, hinting at least at the fact that that's not going to end well uh, out there in LA with that, with that crew and kind of you, you kind of know this more than anybody that this is kind of how LeBron leads teams Mm -hmm. in somewhat shambles uh, when he's in charge of picking the players. And you could tell that this was his little AAU team fantasy draft that he was able to to put together in the off season with his buddies. And it's almost like the over 40 circuit plus Russell Westbrook, who just like does his own thing. And it clearly didn't work out. We knew that it wasn't working out, going to work out in April. I mean, we knew the injuries were going to happen. And LeBron is still averaging close to 30 points per game, just didn't play quite enough to make it worthwhile to win them those extra, you know, three, four, five games to get them over the hump and into the playoffs. So no Lakers in this postseason. There's uh, still a, a lot of storylines and a lot of subplots there. Uh, looking at the play-in, and some of this will be post-dated with the, the – uh, seven eight matchups more or less in these the seven eight matchups taking place in this right now cleveland brooklyn the clippers and the timberwolves the the two storylines that i'm seeing and no team will get eliminated tonight just to be clear but two disappointed teams to be here for obvious reasons tom brooklyn and the clippers uh different reasons for that too with the clippers having all those injuries no Kawhi, paul george was out they they just were gashed with injuries left and right and brooklyn who had the Harden saga, Kyrie wasn't available, Durant missed a bunch of games. Cleveland and Minnesota, on the other hand, this is a, a pretty good year for them. Minnesota finally gets their taste of somewhat playoff basketball. We'll see if they get into the big one. And, and same for the Cavs, who nailed the uh, Mobley draft. So I think there's way more pressure for the fact that you have Brooklyn and you have the Clippers that were predicted to be title contenders going into this year. Yeah, I think the, the Clippers have a little bit more of an out because of injuries right unforced removal of their stars whereas brooklyn has just been a mess of personal 
issues with Kyrie and Harden and then the trade and all the all the noise that kind of surrounded them throughout the year. Cleveland's a really good up and coming team. I think uh, you know Kevin Love kind of uh, adds a little bit of the veteran um, veteran leadership that they need with all those young, fast individuals that can space the floor for for Love to just do his thing. And, and he said he's having the most fun with this team than he had on any of his other teams that he was on, and uh, you know that includes some championship teams. So. There's something to be said for that where, you know, you can kind of just focus on the basketball and, and eliminate the distractions. And, you know, it's going to be tough to, to beat uh, KD and company with Brooklyn. But at the same time, uh, you know, they do have a chance to, to sneak in here if they, if they can take care of, uh, you know, the other game in that uh, 9-10 matchup, which, you know, alludes to your first question of why are we going through the charade shouldn't be seven and 18 just be in yeah that would be the one thing like i don't know why a seven ten situation if you want to have a playing game for the last spot okay uh but as it stands these teams would have to lose twice to miss the playoffs which seems unfathomable for brooklyn but anything can happen i'm um, in that sense, and, and I do think the Clippers this year, I don't want to say is a lost year. Ty Lue's done a great job, but the the pieces, the momentum just aren't there for them. I think that they do have a chance if they regroup next year with health to be better. My question for you, Tom, is someone that's watched a lot more Eastern Conference basketball than West. Should we still fear the Nets as this like floating playoff team? Because it hasn't looked good recently, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I think if you have KD and Kyrie, a lot of the, the talk out there is that, uh, you know, in any playoff series that Brooklyn's going to face, they're going to have two of the best players on the court at any given time still with even the field uh, that that's out there. And, and in the playoffs, we know it's kind of comes down to that at the end of the day, save for maybe like Giannis and Joel Embiid uh, in the Eastern Conference. They're one, you know, three and four, you know, or however you want to shape it. But uh, for, for those guys on the court, uh, they're going to be, right there in the conversation. So it's, it's going to be interesting and, and all signs point to them potentially playing the Celtics if they pull it out today. And the Celtics made sure that they were going to get that three seed. Uh, shoot. Don't say they, now, they got the, they got the two seed, but it was the bucks that right. actually, no, this is good because I was, I was looking at this too. And it kind of struck out the, the bucks decided the for a while. Yeah. The bucks decided not to go for the two seed. So essentially, that's what ended up happening, and the Celtics had to win. Your Sixers got the four as a result of that. So there was a little gamesmanship there. Uh, the point on the Nets before we can move on is that I think that there is always a reason to fear a team with Kevin Durant on it and Kyrie Irving, but this team does not look like it's trending in the right direction. So I think this and is Seth Curry's going to be injured. I think Andre Drummond's going to be an X mm-hmm. factor with you know the rebounding and defensive side of things. And yeah. uh, seven game series to, is different Joe Harris too. And you know, Mills you got out there so that they have a lot of players and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of executing. And that's why this one and done situation is sort of intriguing. Yeah. I think if we, I mean, I'm still a proponent of, I would do best of five, you know, that like, I just like that in the first round. Uh, it's very exciting there, but that said, I just think that Durant is all in Kyrie are capable of stealing games at winning four out of seven with what we've seen defensively against a Milwaukee, even a Boston Miami might be tough for them on the flip side. I don't think the Bucks necessarily avoided Brooklyn, uh, Tom. I might be wrong here, but I think it was more of 
they kind of targeted Chicago in that first round. Because the Bulls, are, it was a great story early, but they are not a good basketball team since the All-Star break. Yeah, and they haven't beaten any of the teams in the field. Frankly, if you look at their schedule, uh, they I haven't watched them uh, tremendously since the you know late March, maybe you know late February, March. But I don't think they've beaten anybody that was over that was in this uh, playoff field at the moment. So that's uh, telling. I know that was a, a, a Cleveland and the Bulls were a target. A lot of fans here in Philadelphia would like to have played uh, or been matched up with. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, targeting the Bulls, a division opponent that they feel they can handle. I think DeMar DeRozan and, uh, and company, they, they still have a talented team and anything can happen in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I agree that there's really no easy outs and, and the, the Eastern Conference is so clustered that, um, that anything can really happen. And there are those four, four or five uh, contenders in the East. I think the Bucks are, are, I don't want to say going through the motions because that's not entirely true, but they won the title last year. So they've been through this gauntlet before, and I think they're trying to peak at the right time. And I think that there is that gear. I, I really don't like when teams that haven't done it or really haven't come close to doing it, Tom, are like, oh, we'll just turn the switch on. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt as the defending champions. That, okay, they're, they've got that extra reserve. Let's see if they can engage. It's not always a guarantee. But I, I would feel comfortable saying the Bucks are on that top two, three contenders in either conference going into this. Oh, absolutely! They're the defending champions for a reason, and and they're definitely uh, a favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. I would say I know that the Heat have faltered uh, of late, and uh, you know the Sixers haven't played as well. The uh, and so the Nets are seated the way that they are. The Celtics and the and the that leads kind of the Celtics and the Bucks. So, um, you know, the Celtics have been peaking as, as you've kind of been, been alluding to there is that they have been playing really good basketball over the last two months and Milwaukee has the championship pedigree. So those are the two teams that probably would be in that first tier for me and kind of everybody else uh, competing and seeing what could happen in a matchup with them in the second round. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to get to your Sixers in a second, but it is funny to say that, you know, the Heat aren't on either of our top, and I think most people aren't in the top two, maybe even not top three of contenders, given that they won the Eastern Conference regular season and have the most, uh, have the home court throughout. But there's something with how that team, is it, is it how they're built, or is it just that Jimmy Butler is a little uh, uh, uneven and you don't know who they're going to go to other than him in a big moment offensively? There's a lot of, I would say, high volatile players, not just for the passion and, and wanting to fight their coach and whatnot, but I don't know if they're going to be consistent throughout the entire playoffs. And they're definitely dangerous, no question there. But I think the Heat are rightfully, in my opinion, looked at as not one of the top two teams. And maybe that's where they want them. They want to mm -hmm. be is not not focused on, and then people overlook them. I, I, I know looking at their roster, it's daunting. I mean, looking at, middle of the year uh, some of those matchups with Victor Oladipo I forgot was on their team coming off the bench to a certain extent you know it, it almost comes at you in waves with the you know Kyle Lowry Jimmy Butler uh, Bam has really flourished into a really good player and the ultimate x factor where a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in the NBA but uh, in the playoffs it's certainly important is that coaching position where uh, you need a coach that's going to put you in a really good position 
uh, in the matchups, which it matters so much in a seven-game series, digging into the to the film and the matchups and exploiting what you can do against certain uh, players and certain teams. Tom Weisenbach here. Bolter's one of those guys. Oh, he absolutely is. He absolutely is. Uh, Tom Weisenbach here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, all right, let's do a Sixers wealth, wellness check. Good, bad, dis- disappointed, disheartened, happy, sad. Where are we at right now? We are uh, wondering what's going to happen. Uh, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they were bounced in the first round. Frankly, mm. um, yeah. I also wouldn't be surprised if you know James Harden takes off the fa- you know not the fat suit, but you know does his hamstring miraculously heals and his jump shot starts falling and then everything's right again because it's a half court game and everybody's kind of hoping that the slowdown and Harden being a half-court player falls into the favor of the 76ers. But from what we've seen over the last several weeks is that the chemistry is straight up not there, first of all. And he's not performed as well as he needs to to win some of those games against those uh, higher-seeded teams. So there was a game with the Suns and the Bucks during the the stretch run here that would have, if they would have pulled it out late in the fourth quarter, again, a very important time of game during the postseason closer. We didn't really see any of the stars of, uh, you know, Harden, Joel, uh, even Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, like take control and win you a game single-handedly. And and that's something that even the the Heat with Jimmy Butler, like uh, everybody has that guy, you know, uh, you know, Giannis had the block and that maybe – is one play during a game uh, to close the game against the 76ers. So Joel Embiid's focused on getting that MVP, first of all. I don't think that's going to happen uh, as well, and uh, a little recency bias. But uh, if he should be more focused on uh, you know the, the Toronto Raptors at this stage, and I'm sure he is, the concern is in the matchup with the Raptors, a place that the Sixers have had a really hard time winning. And and you know and not having have, their full roster either is going to be a big part of why the Raptors are a trendy upset pick. The fact that Thibault's not able to play in Toronto. Well, the Raptors have beaten the Sixers twice without their full complement of players, without their full complement, mm. without the Raptors in Toronto's full complement. No Fred VanVleet, etc. So it's definitely something. And Nick Nurse is one of those coaches that we we talked about earlier. That that is, uh, you know. The thing I'm not saying here is the pressure's on Doc Rivers. And Clippers aficionado, uh, I'm sure he's been on your podcast, Brandon Marcus, uh, texted he warned me you when guys. we hired him. He warned you guys. I know that because I've heard him do it. He warned you guys about Doc Rivers' rotations. You're, you're going to win a lot of regular season games, but they'll crumble in the playoffs. And and so far, he's it's run true. I mean, 250-win seasons are, you know, truncated, you know, should would have been 50 if I forget what last year's was. But number one seed, and you crumble against uh, a team that's, you know, everybody was rejoicing to play, talking about matchups and who you want to play. is You know, everybody was, was happy that, you know, we killed the, the Hawks in the regular season, so it's going to be a cakewalk, and, and that didn't happen. You blew a couple leads late. So, like I said, anything can happen in the playoffs, and, and that's the guy who I think has a lot of pressure on him in using the pieces the right way. Backup center minutes right now has been a lot of people talking, and it's kind of centered around Doc, Doc's arrogance and commitment to DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, a, a team, a player who was cut from the Lakers who are missing the playoffs. 
So it's it's definitely a concern, but I'm hoping, and, and again, hope is, is the optimal word here for this team, is that they've been kind of holding back the different wrinkles that they've been working on or different plays that they have been trying trying to kind of play possum a little bit with some of their opponents and, and hopefully come out guns blazing. But I'm also concerned that it just completely deflates because every time you think that they're just going to come out and dominate a team, it's usually, you know, a four to eight minute stretch of them dominating. And for some reason they play down to the competition consistently. It's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, and I think this first series, if, if the Sixers do survive, then that could be, you know, the momentum they need. But it's not the it's not great going in. We'll see Doc Rivers. The pressure obviously is on. Embiid's been phenomenal this season. Unfortunately, I'm with you. He's just it seems like he's just going to be just short of that first MVP. But uh, it's been fun for him to watch at least um, on that regard. So Eastern Conference looking fun. Uh, I do want to mention as we transition to the West that. We've actually had that team. I mean, we've had that team all year of the top of the pecking order, and it's been the Phoenix Suns. Now, a lot of pressure on them to perform in these playoffs, but from start to finish, Tom, they've been the best team regular season-wise in the league, and I think part of it's spurned on by the motivation of not having finished the job last year up 2-0 in the finals and also the fact that they've got Chris Paul an aging veteran who's still playing flawlessly when he's out there that hasn't won his ring yet. So there's a lot of desperation with this squad, but as far as the regular season went, they passed it with flying colors, a plus grade for them. Yeah. I think we've seen really good Suns teams before not get the job done, but mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you that they have all the pieces at every position that can get it done. They have played together. They have the same team that they've had the previous year. Um, which can't be said for a lot of the contenders, save for probably Milwaukee, um, who, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see them repeat. And, and we've seen that so so often in, in these playoffs. Um, and the West is filled with teams who are good in the regular season and crumble. I'm looking at the, the standings right now is that where's the threat coming from? Aside from that number three seed of Golden State, I don't see – a playoff threat to Phoenix just rolling through the West. Yeah, I would. You know what's funny is it was supposed to be Golden State, right? Like that's who it was supposed to be. And then for a variety of reasons, the main one obviously being Steph Curry's injury, but just poor health, poor form, it wasn't them. And given the fact that the other teams at the top, Memphis, Dallas, while they've done great and they've exceeded, I mean, Memphis all year has been been great with Jaws. It was remarkable, and without him, they still win games. But Dallas, it's kind of turned it around. Lucas playing some transcendent basketball, but they haven't had any experience. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to lean into them and say, well, these are the teams that are going to be going all the way. It usually takes some, some growing pains in the playoffs. So I think it's a combination of the Suns have been that good. There's no denying that, but... The landscape is a lot of unproven teams, and teams have just had the injury bug. Yeah, and I just saw that Luka Doncic had a, a an injury that he just sustained, so that weakens yeah. Dallas tremendously, and that would be a potential second round matchup with with the Suns. So, again, I don't see a world in which they don't make the Western Conference Finals at the very least, and it's very likely that they they are the team representing the conference as they have been all year. You know, unlike the Heat. Right. They, you're exactly right there. And I do think that 
it's going to be tough for them to not make the conference final at the least. The final looks pretty solid. That said, we'll see. I mean, Luke, both, of those, both of those teams of sorry, Mitch, have a yeah. uh, logo that is a basketball on fire. <laughs> That's true. That is, that is funny. I, I just want to mention Luca. the reports now, we'll see as this goes on, but he's going to be playing. I just don't know if he's going to be hampered at all. It was like a calf strain of some sort, but not, you know, the major shut it down kind, which is good. Uh, he's been, he I mean, he's been first team all NBA good. And the the Warriors were the team that I, I do want to just mention briefly. This was a bounce back year given that they, you know, since the run, they missed the playoffs. Clay obviously hurt. Steph was hurt before. Last year they fall, they lose in the play in tournament. Finally back to being good, albeit without ending the season healthy and in good form, but at least the Warriors are back in the mix now, and I expect that to be the case for the next couple seasons. Yeah, we're kind of waiting for them to get healthy again post-Kevin Durant, and uh, it's it's kind of, you know, the gang's back together again, and, and, and they're running it back, finally. It's taken a few years, but with Clay and Steph and Draymond back together and some of the young guys that they've been able to draft, it's always formidable when you have Steph Curry on your team. I think this is also going to be a good playoffs for the next generation. We, we see it every couple of years where the new crop of superstars, maybe it's just one, maybe it's two or three, just really have a coming out party in the playoffs. And I'm not saying these teams and these players on these teams are going to just get to the finals, but John Morant, Luka Doncic, you know, if we, if we go to the East, Jason Tatum has a very good squad. This is his first playoff bid. Uh, so this could be one of those moments where looking back, we see a couple of guys, if Carl Anthony Towns can play well for Minnesota and keep going, maybe this is a chance for that group, Tom, to be like, okay, finally some playoff time to put on a show for the national audience that you know might not have the Timberwolves or the Memphis season package and are seeing these guys against the very best for the first time. Yeah, this is the coming out party for John Moran's 2023 MVP run. I think it's mm-hmm. going to have to really – showcase him this year and now uh and and it's possible that memphis does go deep into these playoffs again you you mentioned it not a lot of people have seen them play and it's 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 going to be a surprise to a lot of people how deep their roster is with different veterans that they've kind of been stockpiling over the years and and they're a deep team Mm -hmm. and and it's it's definitely playoff experience that concerns me with them but you're right. The young stars are definitely going to come out and play here, uh, and and that's headlined by by Ja. Before we uh, move on from basketball, do you have a finals matchup prediction? We don't have to go away and pick who wins yet, but teams you see in the final, going to go daring at all? Oh, let's go with. I, I mean, I did say Phoenix is going to romp through the West, so I'll stay with Phoenix and uh, and uh, Milwaukee. But I wouldn't be surprised if Boston gets there, too, because they've been playing so well. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chalk. I hate doing it, but I think that's the matchup. We get a rematch, and uh, sometimes a rematch is better. You know, it's not like a movie. Sometimes it's better than the original. The sequel's better. And uh, don't sleep on the fact that the Suns get the Bucks. It's that revenge tour that we've seen in sports works. We saw it in the NBA with the Spurs and the Heat a while back. So, you know, they are a motivated team. Oh, absolutely, especially, you know, do it for Chris and, and all that. But they got that well-rounded team. It still hurts me that we, uh, we being the Sixers, traded traded Bridges for Dyer Smith, a guy who has never played for the team. And 
the biggest need is that position. And for some reason, it uh, it was a trigger move that they did, and uh, I'm not sure why they did it. With his, his mom worked know. for the team, Mitch. His <laughs> mom really, worked for the team. I was going to say, it's not like he had Philly ties or anything. He went to the school, and he his mom worked for the team. Unreal. But I digress. I'm happy he's doing well in Phoenix. Crazy stuff there. Not uh, bitter at all. Tom Weisenbach here. Uh, before I let you go, I, I just wanted to I wanted to mention because I feel like I had to. Uh, it's nothing's going to really do it justice, but uh, I was I was pretty much left reeling like a lot of people with the Dwayne Haskins news. Um, this was one of the all time great Buckeye quarterbacks, and I know it didn't. You know, whatever happened at the next level is in the back seat of what you know the story is. It's just very unfortunate that uh, a young man who, by all accounts, is a great guy and realized his dreams at Ohio State that he uh, lost his life so early. So uh, I wanted to just mention that. And I was at that Rose Bowl game uh, against Washington a couple of years ago. That was the only one I've been to. And uh, to see him lead Ohio State to a victory is a moment that I think all Buckeye Nation and you know all of his friends and family are going to have. So just want to offer up my condolences. It's a, it's a terrible thing. People dying is awful, but let alone young people dying. Uh, it was a very sad day. Yeah, it certainly uh, reminds you of how precious life is. I, I I just I wanted to, to point that out and also highlight that this was one of the great college quarterbacks uh, of his era. What he did, I think, yeah, it shouldn't be lost in the history books. And uh, you know, I I I wanted just to end it with the fact that I think C.J. Stroud did a tribute to him with uh, his number seven. And you know, I think if anything, I think it would be. It's I do think it's something that he would want that that number keeps you know being worn and being, you know, honored. And uh, it's going to be an emotional year. Uh, they're going to honor him at the spring game, but uh, thoughts out for, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins and his family. Couldn't have said it better myself, Mitch. Well, uh, Tom, it's been great. Uh, I guess we can end with this in the football news. Uh, we've got some interesting off-seasons uh, for our respective clubs. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm having to defend being a Brown fan for the first time in my life, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we rehashed that there, but it's going to be weird not to have any draft picks at the front for the first time in forever. The Eagles, on the other hand, you guys have a cornucopia of picks and is it, is more trades cut? We've already seen one trade, but are we going to see more? Is it, are there players you're already targeting? How's the Eagle draft war room going? So who knows with Howie, he loves to wheel and deal. And uh, he definitely got a lot of uh, return on one of the first round picks and uh, a little bit more capital. I would have liked to maybe see, I'm a traditionalist. I'm like, let's, uh, let's, let's bolster that defense. Let's get a linebacker. But that's just not that the the philosophy there. There's a lot of uh, edge rushers available in this year's draft. And frankly, haven't been following it as closely as in, in years past, but I'm sure uh, there's talk about another wide receiver in the first round, which I never have faith in uh, with this team. They don't have a great track record with that position. But, uh, and you know, N'Kobe Dean is one of those guys that I keep hearing about. I, I wouldn't mind having him on my team. Right. That I Well, yeah, anybody that watched that guy <laughs> play in college, I think he's going to be just fine in the NFL. Uh, you said how he mentioned, likes to wheel and deal. That's a pretty big understatement, uh, I would say. And I also think that, the Eagles are one of those teams that, I mean, I would, I would think it's fair, right? Like they're not that far away from being a, a solid, a real solid upper echelon team, but 
We've seen it. We've seen it go south for teams. Like there, this is a make or break year for them. Not just the quarterback position, but the defense and bolstering it because nobody just like the league doesn't sit neutral. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. So this draft is huge, as you know, and uh, how they attack it and how a lot of teams attack it. I mean, even in that same division, is going to be fascinating. Yeah, and then the uh, the trade was essentially uh, interpreted as by many as a insurance policy for the crop of quarterbacks that's coming out in 2023. It's going to give them an opportunity to either package those two picks in the first round and trade up to get the guy that they want, or because there's so many prospects, get one of them uh, to replace Jalen Hurts with. So it's definitely one of these uh, make or break years for Hurts. Uh, if you believe that he can develop into a, a good passer, uh, someone who can read defense as well enough. And that's something we didn't see uh, in 2021. Um, he's going to really have to take that step in order to solidify his self as the franchise quarterback. Going to be fun to watch. Tom Weisenbach, thank you for joining me on the show. Best of luck uh, to your Sixers in the playoffs. And uh, we're optimistic here, so we'll try to get you optimistic as well. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been far too long. Look to, looking forward to chatting again. But thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Absolutely, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Uh, there's one absolute that will be happening in the next few weeks, and that is that I will be swearing at my television. <laughs> yeah, the, un the uncensored version only at the Weisenbach house, but thank you, Tom, again for coming on. Huge thanks to both guests, Joe Crisali and Tom Weisenbach, for appearing on this week's show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. A reminder, you can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It'll pop right up. We're on all your podcast platforms. You can subscribe, leave a review, a rating. Only positive, though, of course. But you know we have a lot of sports content for you on this show. Can't wait to continue to bring that to you. I am on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Shout out to Scotty Scheffler for winning the Masters. Big moment for the young kid. First major, probably not his last. We got more to talk about next week. We'll have more playoff basketball, getting ready for playoff hockey, baseball season. Tennis is heating up as well. It's a good time, as always, to be a sports fan. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was The Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.